Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. In January of 2020, a unique once-in-a-lifetime opportunity began to unfold in the city of Rome at the Great Basilica of St. Paul Outside the Walls. Now, maybe you're familiar with this basilica. Maybe you've been there before. It has a rich history going all the way back to the 300s, those early years, right when Christianity was finally liberated in the Roman Empire and, and they could start building these great churches. They chose to build this amazing church right here at this spot. And when you walk into the church today, you can see some of the structures that go all the way back to the 300s AD. That's over 1,700 years. It's amazing. But my friends, it gets even better because the reason they built a basilica over this very spot in Rome is because of the great tomb that resided there. They wanted to build this basilica over the tomb of the great apostle, St. Paul. So when you go to the crypt underneath the main altar, you can see the tomb of St. Paul and pray there. It's amazing. But in January of 2020, there was a unique opportunity if you went to this basilica because on that day, or it was about a week or so, they actually had the body of another great early church leader. The disciple of St. Paul was there. St. Timothy's body was there in St. Peter's Basilica, right next to the tomb of St. Paul. So it's kind of like there was this little reunion. Now, of course, Peter and Paul are reunited in heaven. They're in the communion of saints, but their bodies were close together. And you can kind of imagine what their, that, that was like and their ministry. Because when you go on the streets of Rome, you could go and you can see where Paul was imprisoned. You could go to his tomb. You can remember his ministry. But in those days, in January 2020, you could remember Paul in light of Timothy. And that's what I want to focus on today, because I want to share with you something you might not be aware of, what, what Paul was so urgently wanting to pass on to his disciple, Timothy, that he was doing so much ministry with. And Paul is in prison in Rome. He knows he's going to be martyred. He's going to be beheaded. And he writes his last letter to his beloved friend, his co-worker, his disciple, Timothy. And in this letter, he says something amazing that is so important for us today. If we want to live our faith truly as true disciples today as, as Christians in the modern world, and we want to pass on our faith effectively to our friends, to our family, to our children, to the next generation, we want to pay close attention to the model of St. Paul and St. Timothy, whose feasts we celebrate this week. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. He says, What you have heard from me before many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will abide to teach others also. What I want us to see here, my friends, is that Paul was not just concerned that he gave good catechism classes to his disciple Timothy. He wasn't just concerned that Timothy got the right answers about the faith. He, of course, cared about that, I'm sure. He did more than that. He wanted to make sure that his disciple Timothy, in this last letter, shortly before he dies, he's, this is his goodbye letter to his good friend and disciple. He wanted to make sure that Timothy didn't just know the faith, but he lived it so deeply that he couldn't help but want to share it with others, that he was passing on the faith effectively. Do you pass on the faith to your friends, to your family, to your children? to your roommate, to your colleagues at work? Do you pass on the faith as a Christian witness in this modern world? How do we do that effectively in a secular age where it's weird if you talk about your faith? We're going to look at St. Paul and St. Timothy as an amazing model to help us be true Christian missionary disciples. And that's what we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. And speaking of Rome, 
I'm going to throw out a crazy question here to all of you. Do any of you want to come to Rome with me later this year? Would you like to join me in Rome? Now, this is kind of crazy, but you know, you know, I lead pilgrimages, you know, to Rome once or twice a year, and I have a trip I'm doing this upcoming May, and the trip filled up right away in one week. We had some limited room space issues uh, for this this May trip, but just this week, just a few days ago, we were able to secure a few extra rooms that opened up. So I actually have a couple extra spots at the last minute. So I'm just wondering if any of you would like to join. You're welcome to shoot me an email, and I'll send you all the information for this May. 2024 pilgrimage to Rome, you can email me at rome.edwards3 at gmail.com. That's rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. Uh, and I'll, I'll send you all the information. There's only a couple more rooms left, but I thought I'd throw it out to you all. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a few months down the road. You have time to prepare. But if you want to walk the streets of Rome, you want to be able to go to the tomb of St. Paul, you want to be able to see the Sistine Chapel and experience the great martyrs and the witnesses of the early church and the early popes, you can go and see where they lived. You could see where they preached. You could see where they were martyred. It's an incredible experience. And I always like to give people that insider's view of Rome, not just the normal cookie cutter kind of pilgrimages that, that are out there. I lived in Rome for a number of years. And so I give a lot of background and help you really enter in spiritually to all of these sacred sites, especially when it comes to the saints and to the theological uh, tradition of the church being expressed in the stone and the, the glass and the art and the paintings. And I find that many Catholics, you know, they go to Rome and they'll get a tour of, of the Vatican Museums or St. Peter's Church and Basilica. And, and they're not as interested in hearing about like what kind of stone was used and what was the technique for building this. I mean, that, 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 I, I like learning about that, but I know that most Catholics, they want to know not like Michelangelo's technique as much as they want to know Michelangelo's spiritual vision shaped by the Catholic faith. Why did he build this building this way? Why did he put this statue over here? Why did he paint Mary like this? Why do you see this painting on this side and this painting on the other side? What's the connection between those two paintings? Like That's what I find my pilgrims so fascinated with. If you want a, a deep dive into the city of Rome, experience Rome like never before. I've had many people have told me, I've been to Rome, Dr. Sri, once, twice, three times. I've never experienced Rome like this. If you want to join us for this May pilgrimage, Email me at rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. And the, the trip, we actually depart at the end of April. It's actually departing on April 27th. We come back on May 5th. Uh, love to have you join us. And uh, I, can I, I'm going to share with you one crazy story before we get started here. I, I once had somebody join my pilgrimage the day I was leaving the United States to fly to Rome. You know, every year something might happen where somebody has to back out at the last minute. And I had someone that got sick. They just and, and they they contact me the night before we were leaving and and said they couldn't come. And then I thought, well, maybe there's someone that would want to join us. And so I sent some emails to people on the East Coast because we were flying out of Newark and uh, I had a friend that shared it with the women in her Bible study. And sure enough, I'm at the airport at 6 a.m. in Denver, getting ready to take off to go meet our group in Newark. She's in Philadelphia <laughs> and I'm talking her on the phone and she says she wants to come. And, and so she paid her deposit online and I got on my plane and flew for you know, a good almost four hour flight to Newark. And in those four hours, she went to mass. She came back home. She packed up and then had to drive from Philly all the way up to the Newark airport. But by the time I landed, she was already there and enjoyed our trip. Now, that's really crazy at the last minute. But here we have several months to prepare, and usually there'll be somebody that wants to come. So if you're interested, again, email me at 
uh, rome.edwards3 at gmail.com. Uh, one last thing is uh, I'm going to be in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Anybody in the Twin Cities area? I'm going to be there February 2nd and 3rd, speaking at Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Golden Valley. I'll be doing a couple's date night on Friday night on the 2nd of February, and I'll be doing uh, an event for the Archdiocese there on Saturday morning, February 3rd, for married couples, newly married couples, defined as like zero to seven years, and I think even engaged couples are coming. So check out the Archdiocese and website. Love to see anybody from the Twin Cities. And I'm going to be speaking at my home parish with my wife, Beth. So for those in the color, if you live in anywhere in Colorado, you want to join us, come to St. Thomas More Parish on January 31st, Wednesday, January 31st at seven o'clock. My wife and I are going to be speaking on our marriage book, The Good, The Messy, and The Beautiful. You can come check it out. And so I'm the messy, my wife is the good, and she's the beautiful. Come join us, St. Thomas More Centennial, Colorado, January 31st. All right, let's get to this topic here. I want to talk about Timothy. I want to talk about Paul. And I want to talk about your life. And I want to talk about how are you living like Paul and like Timothy? And how do we do this in the modern world? I want to share with you an analogy that we can take from the Holy Land. I don't know if you've ever been to the Holy Land where you've seen the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is amazing. Before I ever went there, I thought it was just like this barren desert wasteland. But you go there, it's actually beautiful. It's not really a sea. It's a, it's a big lake, and it's the center of Jesus's public ministry. And it was the center of, of life up in the northern part of Israel because there is a lot of fish in the sea, fresh waters, uh, lots of trade and commerce and little communities around the sea there. It was, it was, it's just a beautiful place to this day uh, to be able to visit. Now, this, this the Sea of Galilee, the reason it, it was had this great fresh water was because it takes the water that comes in from the north, from the mountains, and, and there's the Jordan River that flows on the north side into the Sea of Galilee. But the Jordan River doesn't stop there. It actually continues on the other side of the lake, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. On the south side, the waters flow out of the Sea of Galilee and go south. And they head south down toward where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and then passes there and then goes all the way down uh, into a place called the Dead Sea. And there's a great striking difference between these two seas or these two lakes. If you've ever seen them, they look incredibly different, right? So the Sea of Galilee, bright, vibrant, lots of life, lots of fish, lots of communities around there. It is lots of vegetation. You go down to the Dead Sea, it, it, it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. It is dead. There is no life there. It is in a barren wasteland. It actually resides at the lowest point on the face of this earth, some 1,200 feet below sea level. And there's nothing there. Why is that the Dead Sea? And why is the Sea of Galilee so full of life? It's because the Sea of Galilee doesn't just take in stuff. It doesn't just take in the fresh waters. It gives those waters away. The waters pour out of the Jordan River on the south end of the lake. And so you don't get all these, you know, impurities and minerals just building up there. Just the waters keep flowing through as you get this great continual flow of good, fresh water. Whereas at the Dead Sea, way down in the south, in Judea, the Dead Sea is dead because it doesn't have an outlet. All the waters that flow down the Jordan River, down south into the Dead Sea, just stay there. And, and, and that's why there, there's no vegetation, there's no fish, there's no life here. Because it's just taking it all in and then all the impurities just build up there and all the minerals. Now, now, if you're into the, you know, wanting to find a lot of salt and other things, that, that would be great. But you don't, want, you don't want to drink this water. You're not going to find any fish there. There's not going to find any life there. Here's my question for you. With your Catholic faith, are you like the Sea of Galilee or are you like the Dead Sea? Are you like the Sea of Galilee? Do you 
take in the faith. You take time for prayer. You take time to learn about your faith. You read good books. You listen to podcasts. You watch good Catholic videos. Uh, you, you, you're involved in your parish. You're, you're feeding your faith. You frequent the sacraments. You are taking in the faith, taking in the love of Christ in your heart, and you're going out and giving it to others. You're sharing it intentionally with your family, with your children. You're sharing it with your coworkers. You're, you're on the lookout for opportunities to, to share your Catholic faith with the people around you. Are you like the Sea of Galilee or are you like the Dead Sea? I'm really concerned that there are many Catholics today that are like the Dead Sea. They just take things in. I mean, they're nice people. And, you know, when asked questions, they would talk about their faith. And, you know, they, they send their kids to youth group and Catholic schools. And, you know, maybe they'll say a few prayers at home every once in a while. But they're not like the Sea of Galilee where they're giving away the faith. They're just taking things in. They listen to Catholic content all the time. They, they show up at a lot of Catholic events. They're consumer Catholics. You know, I like this show, or I like this group, or I like when the parish offers these things. But it's all about me. It's all about what I'm getting out of it. My friends, are you like the Sea of Galilee where you don't just take in, but you give? You're sharing your faith? Or... Are you like the Dead Sea where you're just taking in, you're just consuming? You know, yeah, again, I think many, many Catholics, I, I talk to many pastors, many faith formation leaders and parishes, lay people, they, they tell me this, that, that the mentality among Catholics today is a very consumeristic approach. Well, what do I get out of it? I'll show up if it's interesting for me and am I going to learn a lot? And it's all about what I get, but they're not thinking about what I can give. They're not focused on sharing the faith. They're not focused on evangelization. They're not focused on making sure, like St. Paul was with Timothy, that he didn't just have the faith, but he was entrusting the faith to others. I want you to think about that. Paul's last words to Timothy. He's in prison. He knows he's going to be beheaded. And the urgent plea from St. Paul to his disciple Timothy is, don't be like the Dead Sea. Don't be like the Dead Sea. Don't just take in the faith everything that you've learned from me and trust to other faithful men and then train them to go out and pass on the faith to others. Be like the Sea of Galilee. Now, he didn't use the words Dead Sea and Sea of Galilee. That's just my analogy here. But he's making that point. Second Timothy 2.2, Paul's urgent plea with his disciple Timothy is to not just be a consumer Catholic, not just to take in the faith, but to go out intentionally and share it with others. Now, how do we do this? How do we practically do this? So I'm going to give some examples. Like in, in family life, we want, we want to make sure that we really are the ones leading our family spiritually. It's good if you've got a good youth group and you can send your kids to that, or you've got a good Catholic school situation. That's awesome. Or you have a, a good parish program for faith formation, you know, and we should lean on those, of course. But the Catholic Church is very clear that parents— are the first educators, the first faith formators of their children. They're the primary ones. Because I know my kids are going to learn about faith, not just from what they learned in a textbook or what they learned at a youth group, as good as those things are. They're going to learn by watching mom and dad and how they pray and how they deal with conflict, how they forgive, how they turn to God, how they seek God to lead their lives. That's, that's what they're going to remember the most. And um, that's a lot of pressure as parents, right? Because we got to live up to that. And I know my kids will be the first one to tell me that I, I fall short sometimes, you know, and I, and I know I do. But am I intentional? Are we, are we, are we striving? So I'm, just, I'm talk about family. I want to talk about parish life and I want to talk about your life. But when I think about family life, 
are you the, if someone looked at you and looked at your life as if you're a mom, you're a dad. So I'm speaking to the parents here for a moment. If, if, if others from the outside of your life looked at your life, would they see that you are the primary educator, the primary faith formator for your children? Do they, do they see you intentionally thinking about how do I help them grow in prayer? How do I help them grow in virtue? How do I help them with this little struggle, this, this sorrow they're going through, this, this vice, this area where they're falling short? How do I help them here? Are, are we thinking about faith formation in an intentional way in family life? I have to say, I'm, I, I'm really blessed with awesome kids and I'm, I'm so thankful for them. And, you know, they were all home for, the older kids were home from college and my daughter was married, was, you know, around the house like almost every day for a couple of weeks there over the Christmas break. It was just awesome to have them all back. But I'll say one of the things that I saw was that my kids, they're, they're not just like the Dead Sea. They're not Dead Sea Christians. They're Sea of Galilee Christians. And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that they have the faith, thankful that they pray, thankful that they love Jesus and want to follow his will. It's just, I'm just, it's, and it's all grace. It's, and it's their response to it. But I know that they're not just taking the faith in. They're not just consuming. They're not just reading stuff and listening and going to things where they're fed in the faith. No, they want to feed it to others, whether it's on their college campus, organizing things and sharing the faith with others and their different campuses they're at, or whether it's in the parish that they're involved in. Or even in the home, in their own, in our own home, it, it was really cool to see. You know that, you know, I'd see the older sisters spend time with the younger sisters, invite them to go to the chapel with them. I'd see the older brother spend time with the younger brother, take him to the gym, go out for lunch, stop at the adoration chapel, and, and they're talking about faith. And I didn't tell them to do this. It's just who they are. I'm thankful for them, but it inspires me, and I hope it inspires all of us to ask. Are we Dead Sea Christians or are we Sea of Galilee Christians? Do we just take in? Do we just consume? Or are we on the lookout for opportunities to share our faith with others? You know, that's what Vatican II tells us, that we should be on the lookout to share our faith, not just in the home, but share the faith with people in our parish, with our neighbors in our community, with our colleagues in work. We should be on the lookout. The church teaches this. Lay people on the lookout. Are you on the lookout? Or do you just kind of live your faith and consume? You just take in, or are you thinking about people? Do you, do you, do you pray for the people in your life? Do you pray for conversion in, with your cousin, with your uncle, with your brother? Do you pray they come back to the church? Are you offering sacrifices for them? And, and do you pray asking God to give you the opportunity to talk about faith with them? Or do you just avoid it because you're afraid? You don't want to be weird. You don't want to stand out. I get it. You don't want to show up at Christmas dinner and ruin thanks Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner by just, you know, going after Catholic apologetics all the time. So maybe you don't have to bring it up all the time, but are you praying for them? Those people in your life in your family or the people in your life in the office? Do you pray for your the, your your colleagues around you? God, put those people in your life for a reason. Are you going to pray for them cuz maybe they have nobody praying for them? God, put these people in your life. They may be very secular, they may be of another religion, but are you praying for them? Do you sacrifice for them? Are you praying that God give me the chance to talk about my faith life with them? Are you at least doing that? And give me the grace, Jesus, to, to say the right words. Whatever you, know, you want me to say, whatever you want me to, to communicate of your love, when that moment comes, do, do you do at least that? I'm not asking you to go to the water cooler station, the copy room, and then start handing out Catholic books there. You'll probably be fired if you did that in most places today. Not saying that. You don't have to like be preachy, but are you at least 
trying to be like the Sea of Galilee. Because you can pray for those people in the office. You can pray for your next door neighbor. You can pray for that person in the parish that just goes to Mass on Sunday and that's about it. And you know there's something deeper God wants for them. You can pray for that son, that grandson, or that uncle or aunt or parent or brother or sister or cousin that is in your family life that is away from the church, that doesn't know the gospel, you can pray for them. Are you intentionally, really fervently praying for their soul, knowing that nothing else matters than eternity? Do we really love these people? Because if we do, and we love Jesus, we would be praying for them, we'd be sacrificing for them, and we'd be begging God for the chance, the opportunity to talk to them about the faith in the right time, in the right way. Let's be like the Sea of Galilee. We, We should do this in our family life. We should do it in our personal lives. But I want to talk about parish life for a moment here. I want to talk about parish life. You know, too often our parishes are feeding just the Dead Sea. They're feeding the Dead Sea. What do I mean by that? We, I, I'm blessed to work with many parish leaders and pastors around the country. And, and you can tell this is the, the mentality. They tell me this. The mentality in many parishes for faith formation, the majority of our faith formation going on in parishes around the country, this is what leaders tell me, is that it, it's, it's about programs and it's about numbers. It's just about, oh, what program are we going to do? Oh, Lent's coming up. We got to do a program. We got to put on an event. Got to do a parish mission. Or Advent's coming. Oh, I got to do something for Advent. Or, oh, it's First Communion time. We got to do something to prepare for that. It's just like a, a, an event program-based mentality. It's about just checking off the boxes. Okay, well, we did something. We put it on, and was it run well? That's great. And then some parishes are focused on numbers. How many people are coming? How many came? How many showed up at the retreat? How many showed up at the parish mission? We brought in a famous Catholic speaker and we got a thousand people to show up and they were all on fire and excited. You know, St. Paul and St. Timothy, you know what they would say? I mean, they'd be grateful a thousand people came. But you know what St. Paul and St. Timothy would want to know? They'd want to know those thousand people that showed up to hear that Catholic speaker, how many of them are going out and evangelizing others? How many of them are sharing the faith with others? Because as St. Paul said to Timothy, it's not just about your faith. It's not just about what you consume. It's about you entrusting to other faithful men and then equipping them to go on and pass it on to the next generation. That's how the Roman Empire was converted. Not through a big talk that St. Paul gave to thousands of people in the Colosseum in Rome. No, it was Paul investing in a few and ensuring that they went and passed on the faith to others and trained them to do the same. And over the course of many generations, the Roman Empire is transformed. How about in your family life, your parish, your community? Are you following a Dead Sea approach? Or are you following a Sea of Galilee approach? In your parish, does your parish focus just on events? Does it just focus on programs? We put on these things for the parish. Look at all the offerings We have all these great activities happening at the parish. Again, don't get me wrong. I think Paul and Timothy would rejoice in that. I want you to know I rejoice in that. I love when I see parishes offering a lot of activities, a lot of different options to meet people where they're at. It's awesome. But let us never forget the standard we want to hold up for success is not how many events did we hold, how many programs did we run, how many people showed up. That is not the standard of success. If I'm looking at faith formation and evangelization with the lens of a Catholic. The real standard of success is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Timothy, all that I've passed on to you and trust to other faithful men, that they may go on and pass it on to others. I want to know the DRE in, in your parish or the director for RCIA or the youth minister or the director for adult faith formation in your parish 
or the associate priest or the pastor himself. I want to know, not just did they get a lot of people to show up at their event. I want to know, are they investing in those men like Paul did with Timothy? Are they investing in those women in the parish, the men in the parish, to raise them up to be leaders, to go pass on the faith to others? Are they investing in them, training them to be not just consumer Catholics, not just Dead Sea Catholics, but true Sea of Galilee Catholics? Are they going out and sharing the faith with others? That's the mission of being a Catholic. That's what it means to be a missionary disciple. The language that Pope Francis has beautifully talked about, which is really standing on the shoulders of John Paul II, who said the same idea, just different words. He said, those who are truly evangelized, we want to make them evangelizers. In other words, evangelization isn't simply, do they get the faith? Do they like the faith? Do they pray? Do they show up at activities? No, it's they're going on and passing on the faith to others. Let's be Sea of Galilee Catholics. Let's build Sea of Galilee parishes. Let's go out and transform the world like St. Paul and St. Timothy did in Seed Forum 2,000 years ago. Because what they modeled for us is the model JP2 did in Krakow. It's the model that Jesus himself modeled by investing in a few and training those apostles, those 12 men to go out and reach others. This is the mission of evangelization. This is our calling. Let's be faithful to it. Now, if you'd like to be inspired by St. Paul, you'd actually like to be in a, in a very profound way and you'd want to join me for that Rome pilgrimage. Like I said, I only have a couple rooms that opened up. It'll be first come, first serve. You can email me uh, to learn about the May Rome pilgrimage. This May, 2024, uh, it is, you can email me at rome.edwardsri at gmail.com, rome.edwardsri at gmail.com. Thanks and God bless.